Kids are dismissed for kids' praise, and uh, we'll be continuing in uh, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6. How many have prayed a prayer that didn't seem to be answered? You know, we all have. Oftentimes, little kids pray prayers like, uh, dear God, please heal grandma or grandpa, and they're not healed this side of heaven. Um, Or, dear God, please don't let those kids tease me at school. And, the, and he still gets teased. Or, dear God, please give me a date for prom when they get older and they don't get a date. Or, or, Lord, you know, just so many different questions like that. Don't let them hurt me anymore. Well, the disciples would have struggled as well, as we all do, with unanswered prayer. So they asked Jesus to teach them to pray. They wanted to, they wanted to see effectiveness and power in their prayers. D.L. Moody, though, said, I'd rather be able to pray than be a good preacher. Jesus Christ never taught his disciples how to preach, but only how to pray. So this morning we'll ask that question, Lord, uh, will you teach us to pray as well and how not to pray? So in verse 1 of chapter 6, Jesus says, "Here, here are two ways how not to pray. He said, and when you pray... Do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So don't showcase. Don't make your prayers uh, a time to showcase your righteousness or your spiritual maturity. We've all been in prayer groups before, and, um, and someone pontificates on and on and on. Oh, very religious, very righteous. Doesn't impress God. Verse 7, And when you pray, do not <clears throat> keep babbling like pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. The word babbling um, could be uh, translated vain repetition in another translation. Uh, People thought if they babbled or if they repeated certain phrases or chanted certain words, then God would be impressed and and he would hear and um, God would, you know, reward their prayers. And and that's all the Gentiles did in in pagan worship. They, They had these chants that they memorized. Uh, be may, uh, there are many books written on prayer. And if you're to like Google or go to Amazon or something and order a book on prayer or even look at the variety of prayers, many of these books would, would be the key to unlock the power of your prayer. The keys to unlock. Here, here in other words, is the formula to make your prayer work for you, like a self-help help, help book type of thing. But Eugene Peterson, in his translation or uh, paraphrase, the Bible called The Message, he wrote this. The world is full of so-called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. They're full of formulas and programs and advice, peddling techniques for getting what you want from God. Don't fall for that nonsense. This is your father you're dealing with, and he knows better than you what you need. With a God like this loving you, you can pray very simply. And so when Jesus began to teach his disciples how to pray in the Lord's Prayer, he began with this idea of a relationship. 
Prayer is simply a relationship. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven. We can call God our Father. The word is patre here, not Abba, but still, Father is, is a term, an endearing term, a heavenly Father. I wonder how you feel when you pick up the cell phone, you know, it's an unknown number, and someone on the other end launches into this rehearsed speech, a sales speech, and you know what's going on, and you can't get in a word in edgewise, and so you say, no, thank you, I'm, I, I'm not here, and you click or whatever. I don't know what you do. But you're not impressed. It's kind of annoying, in fact, those canned speeches. Well, God is neither impressed with our memorized and fancy prayers without any thought or heart behind them. I remember praying the Lord's Prayer every single week in church growing up, and I don't ever remember it moving me. I memorized it, and it's good to memorize it. It's good to memorize all of Jesus' promises and teachings. But there was no heart behind it. It became babbling, rambling, if you will, for me. And um, I remember in a similar way when we went to our grandparents' house who were Swedish immigrants. Uh, when we went there on Sunday nights often, we'd begin every meal with, I had no idea what it meant, but I prayed it week after week. Mark Houghton told me what it meant today for the first time. I know and yes and am, man, in Jesus' name, but that's all I knew. So it's become very meaningful to me today. On the other hand, we love it when good friends call us, especially like friends from other states we haven't seen for a while, and they want simply to catch up or, or to check in or, or to share a good conversation with a friend I haven't talked to before. We love that because they, um, they, they put relationship on a high Estimation, and they just want to check in with you. Well, did Jesus teach us the Lord's Prayer so that we could recite it by rote? I don't think so. I think it's okay to do that. It's great to memorize Scripture, but I think even more so, Jesus was simply giving us the components of prayer, a relationship with our living Heavenly Father. In fact, Jesus prayed the Lord's Prayer again in his priestly prayer in John chapter 17, shortly before he died, when he was praying for his disciples and all believers. If you read through that, you see the pattern of the Lord's Prayer within John 17. But that's for another sermon. It's fascinating study, though. Uh, and he used totally different words than the Lord's Prayer, but had the same components of, uh, found in the Lord's Prayer. So, Sometimes we feel we have to say the right words or we can't say the wrong words in order for God to hear us and act on our behalf. But that's not the case. God simply wants to converse with us and he longs to reveal his thoughts to us, his, his person to us. He wants to uh, reveal himself to us as our loving heavenly father. Jeremiah 33, 3, God said through the prophet, call to me and I will tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. That's God's promise. Call to me. I, I long to tell you great and unsearchable things that you don't know. I want to. Uh, Denver Beerman uh, was a, um, 
He is a trumpet player. If you're here this last week, when he had a concert uh, last week, and he's a singer. He's a, he had a jazz band, Sammy King band behind him, and um, it, it was a great concert. Not many people were here, but it was phenomenal. But after the concert, I went up to Denver to thank him and introduce myself as the pastor. I just sat in the back, and, uh, and so we talked for a while as he was putting things away and packing up, and everyone else had, been, had gone. It's just the two of us, and, and I think Connor, the three of us were here. And so I was talking to Denver, and I was saying, man, this is an unusual-looking trumpet. He said, let me tell you about that. Well, actually, he shared this testimony during his concert, but he, he expounded a bit more. He said, uh, a couple of years ago, two or three years ago, um, he started bleeding in his vocal cords, and he couldn't talk, he couldn't much less sing, and so he's concerned he went to the doctor, and it could have been very serious, to the point where he wouldn't be able to sing ever again. And so uh, the doctor said, don't even talk. And he could hardly talk, so he didn't for several weeks. And it got very concerning. He said, man, my faith just, it just plummeted. He said, um, and, and it was, I was ashamed at how, how faithless I was during that time and how discouraged. Um, he said, though, but during that few-week period, I had a dream, actually. It was a vision, and I heard God speak to me as I cried out to him. And God said, he showed me a trumpet, and then, he, and then I heard the words of God that said uh, something like, make it completely or perfectly balanced. And then he woke up. He knew it was a message from God, and so the only thing he knew to do was to invest in his trumpet playing because he couldn't sing. I might as well um, try to improve my trumpet playing. He's an amazing trumpet player, and so he, he did that. Um, he focused on the trumpet, and he, he kind of redesigned it and tinkered with it, and, and he, he tried this special metal. He thought, I wonder what it would be like if I put this special metal and just attach it, you know, by the mouthpiece to the next section of the, little, uh, of the trumpet. I wonder what it would do if I did that. What, what would it do with my, my vibrations of my breath I'm blowing in and, and whatnot? And, and so he did that, and to his amazement, the sound was much more brilliant. In fact, he, he showed me. He, he had all these little attachments of metal here and then wrapped around here and wrapped around here of his trumpet. And he, he unattached this one and he played a wonderful riff for me. It was amazing. And they said, now listen. And he Velcroed the, the little piece of metal back onto his trumpet. He played the same riff. And even I could tell the major difference. He said, I don't know what that does. The property of this metal changed everything about the vibrations of my breath. And furthermore, I don't have to blow as hard and greater and more brilliant sound comes out. He had confirmed this property of this metal with an Ohio State professor. He said, you're onto something there, Denver. He said, I'd never heard of this before. I don't think anyone has ever thought of this. I said, you got a patent this. He said, Maybe. Maybe I'll do that. I don't, whatever the Lord wants. I, I just want to serve him and proclaim his name. That's what I'm concerned to do right now. And I was thinking, you could be a millionaire. You know, I'm, I'm thinking all these things. Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. And certainly the message of Christ um, shine forth during this concert in his testimony and his singing and his playing. The Lord did restore his voice. Oh, and then finally, he, he said, hey, hey, check this out. Right here on this pulpit, he set his trumpet 
and he, and he and was perfectly balanced. It didn't tip this way or this way. He said, I, I've never ever seen a trumpet that could balance like this. And I didn't even know it would balance until after I got done designing it. And, and then I remembered what the Lord said. Um, have perfect balance in your trumpet, whatever. Whatever that means, I don't know, but God speaks to us. And so that is amazing. God wants a relationship with us. But we say, but I don't know how to pray, God. I don't know how to pray, you know, when I'm asked to pray in public out loud. I don't want to be a fool. And, you know, I, hey, listen, if you could talk to your friend or your spouse or your, your kid, if you can have a, hold a conversation, then you know how to pray. That's all that prayer is. God doesn't desire for us to break into some King James language when we're praying any more than he wants me. Like if, I, if you were to come into my office and say, I cometh into my office and step footeth in here, my place of study and meditation, and we can commence in a blessed conversation, and you'd say, shut up, you know, if I start talking to you like that, Right? If we feel joy, we need to express it to God. If we feel heavy-hearted, if we feel confused or disappointed, we need to just talk to him in our own language. If we're desperate, we need to tell him what we want. God simply wants us to depend upon him, and he wants to reveal who he is. And that's what a third of the Psalms are, the Psalms of Lament. Um, for example, Psalm 22, this man after God's own heart, King David, said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you, are, you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. And then skip down to the end of the psalm, verse 19. But you, Lord, do not be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to help me. And so crying out to God, he was indicating that he still trusted him even though God was silent. That's what prayer is. Kirk Franklin said, God may even allow us at times to hit the rock bottom to show us he's the rock at the bottom. So Jesus, Jesus taught us to pray reminding us that it's simply a relationship with your Father, your Heavenly Father. Secondly, Jesus said it's also reverence for God. As you begin this to pray and, and call on God, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. This word hallowed means holy. It means revered. It means set apart. Your name is, your name is above every other name, Lord. So we offer our reverence to God by offering him our praises and our thanksgiving for who he is. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving and my heart I will enter his courts with praise. In other words, Lord, as I begin to pray here now, remind me again of who you are, that you are holy, that you're set apart, that you are sovereign, that there's no one or nothing like you, that you are the creator and sustainer of all life. Remind me that whenever you open a door, no one can close it. When you close a door, no one can open it. Remind me from Proverbs that the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. Like the rivers of water, he turns it wherever he wishes. Remind me that you raise up kings and you cast down others. You are sovereign above every ruler in this universe, ever, who's ever lived. This is the God I revere and I worship and I praise and I trust. 
Prayer is focusing on who God is and what he, he has done. And anything that we trust in more than God can become an idol, whether it's our spouse or whether it's our children or family or whether it's our activities or our finances or our jobs. They will become idols which will ultimately disappoint us if God is not first. And that's how we begin our prayer, revering him. Psalm 20, some trust in chariots, some in horses, but I trust in the name of our, the Lord our God. Psalm 146, do not put your trust in princes, in human beings who cannot save. Blessed are those whose help is in the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord our God, who upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free. A modern translation would be of those two psalms, <clears throat> some trust in the Department of Defense and in politicians, some trust in pastors and lawyers and leaders and coaches and physicians and parents and other human beings, but I choose to place my ultimate trust in my Heavenly Father, in you, God. You are first and foremost. Everything else falls in line under you. <clears throat> but why is God so interested in us praising him like that? in receiving our words of adoration and thanksgiving. Is God a power-hungry God? Is he egocentric? Tell me how great I am, people. Get down on your hands and knees and, and bow before me. Is that our God? And the answer is no. God desires our praise and worship because if we don't praise him, he, he doesn't need our praise and worship, though, because if we don't praise and worship him, then the rocks will cry out in praise. He doesn't need us to praise him. But God longs for us to know him, and he, he longs for us to enjoy him. He wants, he wants to share out of the overflow of his abundant joy and his peace and his strength. And he says, I, I long to bless you. He created us to find our ultimate joy in him. For example, I told you about Denver Beerman concert, and I could tell you much more about it because it was so enjoyable to me. It was so life-giving. And so when I express it to you, guess what it does in me? I relive that joy, and I also, it completes my joy to share it. If I just withhold it in, then it won't be completed. Like for those who say, hey, look, look at this on my cell phone. Man, check out this picture that I snapped last night. Isn't it awesome? Or, hey, listen to this song. Wait, boom, listen to this. This is awesome. Or um, you got to go see the movie. Or did you see that game? Or whatever. When we express these things to others, it completes our joy. Otherwise, we just keep them in and enjoy them ourselves. When we praise God, it completes our joy and we're created to have joy in, in our uh, God, in our Savior. Philemon, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith with others so that you may have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. And that's why we are called to share our testimonies like what you'll hear this morning from Emery Espinosa she, before she's baptized because sharing our testimonies like this completes our joy. And it fills us with the Spirit of God. And then Jesus taught us to pray in order to realign ourselves with God's will. Your kingdom come, Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Someone said, prayer is not getting our will done in heaven, but it's getting God's will done on earth. In other words, prayer positions us in a place where we can receive all that God has for us 
and we can partner with all that God is doing around us. You see, God's kingdom comes anytime the king is active by his spirit. Anytime you see something happening in the name of Christ, that's where the kingdom is breaking through. His kingdom is at hand. It is here all around us. Are we partnering with him or not? That is the question. And when we pray, we are positioning ourselves in a place where we can partner with him in kingdom activity. Otherwise, we could just go throughout the day and from, or Sunday to Sunday and not even think anything about his kingdom. But when we pray, Lord, may your kingdom come today in my world, in my circumstances, at my workplace, then we partner with him. And then finally, we pray to acknowledge our reliance upon God. Give us today our daily bread. It's interesting how the theme of realignment, what we just talked about, and the theme of reliance upon God are found parallel in Matthew 6.33, that famous verse that goes, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, which is parallel to your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Seek first and all these things will be given to you as well. Verse 11, and give us today our daily bread. So he just reiterates it, sums it up in Matthew 6.33, these two elements, components of the Lord's Prayer. But maybe that's why some of our personal prayer requests are not answered because our hearts are not prepared or aligned to receive from him. Like little children who say, who demand, give me, give me, give me, give me. I want it now, I want it now. And a wise parent will probably withhold that demand because they know very well, we as parents know very well, you're gonna get this and you're just gonna hoard it for yourself, you're not gonna share it, you're gonna be selfish, you're gonna be whatever, you know? Sometimes God, though, does deeply desire, not sometimes, God does deeply desire for us to know that he is a faithful provider for our daily needs. But when he blesses us, he wants us to share the blessing with others and not just hoard it for ourselves. We are blessed to be a blessing. In Jesus' day, bakers would bake bread for the day, and by the end of the night, it would be consumed. Otherwise, it would become hard because there were no preservatives back then, and it would be difficult to eat the next day. Similar to the manna that fell uh, in the Old Testament, you know, for the, the Israelites in the, in the wilderness. And God said, you may gather enough for today, but if you gather uh, for tomorrow, then it won't last they discovered. You know, some people did gather up extra and saved it for tomorrow, and it became infested with maggots, and it was inedible. God said, no, I will provide for you daily. You'll trust in me from day to day. The man account reminds me of when I was in college, and my friends and I were starving by like 10 or 11 at night, so we'd jump in the car often. We'd drive into town to the Dunkin' Donuts, and, and we'd walk in there before closing time and grab a box of day-old donuts. And I always took the box, there stacks of them, and I, I would separate them, and I would shake them to figure out where the peanut ones were, because I love peanut donuts, or sprinkled. And sometimes if I, well, you know, like the next week when we went in, there was a big sign that said, please don't shake the boxes. So really, and so sometimes we, we had to just a grab bag, you know, and we took one and we got home, opened it. Plain cake donuts, great. Rock hard plain cake donuts. But 
not all was lost. Because our dorm in the basement had this marvelous invention called the microwave oven. And so we threw our donuts in the microwave oven and we softened them up and not all was lost. The glory was restored and we all, you know, chowed down our 12 donuts apiece. Unfortunately, though, for Moses, the microwave oven would not have been invented for another 3,400 years. So the manna turned rock hard. And even in Jesus' day, too, uh, the bread would turn and you had to eat it daily. Give us today our daily bread. Today and daily is a double emphasis. Today, this is where God is going to meet you. God promises us to give us today to strengthen us, sustain us for this day, not tomorrow. Matthew 6, 34, do not worry about tomorrow, for each day has enough trouble of its own. But sometimes we don't even remember to ask, or we ask with wrong motives, like the man who is praying to God for money and fame. Another guy said, that's not right. I, I always pray for honesty and modesty and other noble qualities, to which the first responded, well, that's great, because one always asks for the things that they don't have. Well, God promises that he will hear our prayers and he will answer them when we pray in Jesus' name. And here are the answers. Yes, no, slow, or go. We've talked about that before. Sometimes God answers yes, sometimes no. For example, and I've shared this many times, um, but a year and a half ago when I had my emotional shutdown and I was out for three months, it was a really dark time, as I've shared, and anxious, and I prayed get, from the get-go, Lord, please deliver me from this darkness like yesterday or right now would be great. Deliver me. I'm here, Lord. Crickets. Silence. I was stuck in darkness for week after week after week after week. It was a long several years of my life, those three months. Oh, man, it was, it was difficult. But God says, even though you don't feel my presence, I'm with you every step of the way. My mercies are new every morning because I'm faithful to you. A psychologist once said that 90% of his patients' problems resulted from guilt over the past or fear about the future. If I'm focused on the past or future, I cannot hear the voice of God. He speaks only in the present, in the moment which actually exists. If I'm not in the present with him, I cannot receive the wisdom he intends to give. Jesus said, I am the great I am, not I was or I will be says Jim Dennison. I want to end with this quote by Philip Yancey. At the instant of pain, it may seem impossible to imagine that good can come from the tragedy, but that is what we're asked to believe, and that belief is called faith. And faith means believing in advance what will only make sense in reverse. So standing here now today, I understand why the Lord allowed me to go through that darkness a year and a half ago. Because the Lord taught me things I would have never, ever learned otherwise. And he deepened me, he shaped me, he forged me in the fire, if you will. And I can see that now in reverse. At the time, I couldn't. But yet I still cried out to him in my desperation. I didn't let him go because I knew he wouldn't let me go. So this is what the Lord promises. 
He says, when you pray, this is what prayer is about. Prayer is about a relationship with me. Talk in your own language. Secondly, prayer is about offering your reverence and praise to God because I long to fill you with my joy. Prayer is about realigning with my will. Um, May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then finally, prayer is about learning to rely on God. Give us this day, today, our daily bread, Lord. That's all I can do is ask you to be sufficient today. And I receive. So let's pray. And so, Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are a faithful God and that you meet us right where we are. Even when you feel like you're a million miles away, Lord, we can trust and we can know that you're right here with us and you're holding on to us. And we thank you for that, Lord. We do trust in you today. Whatever we come um, with this morning, whatever state of mind we're in this morning, Lord, we ask you to meet us right where we are Reveal great and unsearchable things that we do not know. Reveal yourself to us. Fill us with your joy, if it be your will, Lord, today, in your presence. And Lord, would you, because we're asking, would you do miracles in our lives, through us and for us? I pray in Christ's name. Amen.